Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. Folks, and I thought it would be good to kind of go through the book of Revelation, looking, focusing on two chapters. We're not going to talk about prophecy, because usually when you think about the book of Revelation, you usually think in terms of what's going to happen in the future. We're not going to talk about that. We're going to focus on two chapters, chapters 2 and 3, that actually focus on right now. They're letters that Jesus had sent to churches in John's day. The message is relevant for us today because we really need to focus on where we are at. So these are personal letters. Now, I don't know about you, but I oftentimes find myself wanting to hear from Jesus. You ever get that way in your, in your walk with Jesus? You just kind of want, God, what do you want from me? What do you have for me? You ever pray that way? I do. But, you know, it's interesting. God's Word is very relevant to us all the time. And I think as we go through these letters, you're going to find that these seven churches actually are reflective of us where we're at right now, whether in your life or even in our church. And so we're going to look at the very first letter today, the letter to the church at Ephesus. And we're going to see that this is a happening church. We're going to see that this is a church that did all the right stuff. This is a church that was doing everything great, except Jesus has got a problem with them. And we're going to find out that possibly the problem that Jesus has with this church might be the issue that you and I have. Might be where you and I are really at right now. Because let's be honest, I think a lot of us want something more out of our Christian lives. We want God to work in our lives in a mighty way, don't we? Am I correct in saying that? And and we sense that there's something missing, and it might be today that through this letter this personal letter from Jesus, he might actually show us what's missing. He might actually show us where the issue is. So why don't we look together at his word, and then I'm going to tell you how we're going to approach it this morning. So look with me at verses 1 through 7 of chapter 2 of the book of Revelation. To the angel, that's our English translation, it could also be messenger, to the angel or messenger of the church of Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil, and that you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, where you have fallen. Repent. Do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. But this you have, that you have hated the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. 
Let's take a look at this passage together, folks. We're really going to divide it up in four sections. This is like a typical letter. This is like, for us, it would be like a typical email that you might get. And basically, we're going to see it's him. First part is he's going to identify who he is. It's Jesus. But here's the thing about Jesus. You can't just focus on one aspect of Jesus. Jesus is multifaceted, so he shows us a couple of aspects of who he is here. So it's him. We're going to focus on what he knows. And I think it's really interesting when you look at each one of these letters, he says, I know your works. So Jesus knows everything about us. So we're going to see what he knows about these folks and what he knows about us. We're going to see in verse 5 what must happen. We're going to see what, what we've got to do. This is the thing about Jesus. He doesn't just tell you what's wrong. He tells you what you've got to do to correct it. He's going to tell you what you and I need to do. And then we're going to see the promise. He always ends up with a promise for you to hang in there, to keep hanging on and keep doing what you've got to do. So we're going to look at this letter. So why don't we start, first of all, with who Jesus is. I mean, we all know who Jesus is, but Jesus is going to point out a couple of things about himself that I think are very important for you and I as we think about our Christian lives, as we think about our church. So I want you to notice what he writes. Verse 1, to the angel of the church of Ephesus, these things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. Here's what I want to say. We say, what are, what is the seven stars? What are the seven golden lampstands? Well, if you just go back up a couple of verses, actually just one verse to, chap, to chapter 1, verse 20, it tells you what the golden lampstands are, and it tells you what the stars are. The mysteries of the seven stars that you saw in his right hand and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven golden lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. So they're the angels. Better word to use here is messenger. Jesus doesn't need to send a letter to his angel. He does send a letter to his messenger. The word there, the Greek word, angelos, means messenger or pastor. So what we're going to see here is this. Number one, he holds the seven stars in his right hand. He holds the seven messengers in his right hand. What's going on there? Jesus is the ultimate authority of the church. You and I need to realize that. Jesus is the ultimate authority. He holds the seven stars. He holds the leaders of the church in his right hand. In an ancient culture, right hand always signified authority. So in his hand of authority, he holds the leaders of the church. So what does that say? The ultimate say in church is not George, it's not the elders, it's not the trustees, the ultimate say in any church, anywhere, is who? Jesus. So basically, as far as your spiritual life and you living the spiritual life that God wants you to live, the ultimate authority in your life, he's pointing it out, is him, Jesus. Recognize that. Jesus is the ultimate authority. Here's the other thing I want you to see about him that I think you and I need to grasp. The presence of Jesus is in the midst of the church. The presence of Jesus is in the midst of the church. It says there that he dwells between the seven churches. So Jesus is with us today, folks. He's here with us. He's with you always. Behold, I'm with you always. And those are two things that we need to remember. You and I can get to the place where we can forget that. You never notice that? You can forget that. 
You can forget who the ultimate authority is in your life. That's Jesus. And you can forget that he's with you, what? Always. How do you know that we can forget that? Well, how many times when you're going through it, you say things like this. Where are you, Jesus? Where are you, God? Why, why am I going through this? And you feel what? Alone. Right? So you need to remember that he's always with us and he is the ultimate authority. That's the first thing I want you to see here about Jesus as he presents himself to this church. So he's going to say right now what he sees. So I want you to notice what he sees. I think it's pretty interesting. We can see it in verses 2 to 4, verse 6. Remember I told you this was a happening church. This was a prominent church started by the Apostle Paul. And I want you to notice what they're doing. He says, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. Whoa, stop for a moment. Sounds pretty good, right? He knows that they're, they're busy. He knows that they're patient. How many of you are patient? I'm not patient. These folks were patient. Not just that they were patient, they could not stand those who did what? Evil. They didn't tolerate evil. Let's go on here. Look at what it says. And that you have tested those who say they are apostles and have found them liars. Stop for a moment. What's he saying here? They've tested people who show up and say they speak for God and they realize that maybe though they don't speak for God, they're nothing but liars. So they test what they're hearing. Let's go on here. And they have persevered and have patience. Now it's talking about a different type of patience. It's talking about not just patience in general with people. It's talking about perseverance and patience in light of the difficulties of life. Isn't that good? You and I go through stuff all the time. These folks, when they were going through it, they were being patient. They were persevering. This sounds like, man, this is what I want to be. Let's go on now. Notice now. And have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. I'm going to tell you, like yesterday, Rob and I were at it from 10 o'clock until we packed everything away at 5 o'clock, and I was just exhausted. You say, you didn't even shoot darts. No, but I was exhausted. I went home. I went to bed at 9. I just told my wife and the boys, I said, I'm going to bed. And I was out. I was gone. I was hurting because I was weary. These folks, they labor, and guess what? They don't get weary. So they're doing all the right stuff. So here's what I want you to see. Jesus commends the church for its obedience to him. They're doing all the right stuff. They're doing all the right stuff. You, you have to often wonder, if Jesus were looking at our church, what would he say? Are we doing all the right stuff? Are we doing all the right stuff? If Jesus looks at your life, and he does, I, I think it's interesting. You need to look there. He says, I know your works. Here's the thing that you and I need to grasp. Not only does he have authority, not only is his presence with us all the time, you need to grasp this point. Jesus knows everything about you. What you're doing, he knows everything because he's there. That's scary, isn't it? Because there's oftentimes we don't think anybody knows, but he knows. So he knows everything about this church and he commends them for being obedient to him. But nobody's perfect, are they? Nobody's perfect. And so here's what I want you to see. Notice what it says, verse 4. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You have left your first love. Jesus said, you're doing all of the right stuff. 
You're doing everything right. You're, you're, you're being patient with people. You're being patient in the midst of trials and struggles. You're not tolerating false teaching. You're laboring for me. You're doing all the right stuff. But listen, I got a problem though. There's something missing in your life and it's significant. You've forgotten who you love. You've forgotten your first love. You've forgotten. Here's the point I want you to see. In spite of doing the right things, they lost their love for Jesus. So you can get so busy for Jesus doing all the right stuff. Notice, they're doing all the right stuff. You figure when you lose your, your, your love for Jesus that you don't do the right stuff anymore. They're doing all the right stuff. But they've forgotten why they're doing the right stuff. They've forgotten their love for Jesus. You and I go through the same struggle. So like, why are you here today? Are you here today because you love Jesus or you want to love Jesus? Or are you here today because it's what you always do? Do you understand? When you're a Christian, you always come to what? Church. And when you're doing what you're doing, like a lot of you volunteer, like we had that dart blast yesterday. We couldn't have done that dart blast without you. It's not like the thing that George could do on his own. George had to have people help. You had to be there. You had to make this thing happen. Every time we do something here at the church, the Sunday school programs, everything we've got going on, we've got to have people who are what? Involved doing what they're doing, right? Can't happen on its own. We don't have robots here. And so you're a part, you're doing what you need to do. But the question is, listen to me, is it possible that you could get to the place, listen to me, that you could get to the place that you're doing what you're doing, but you forgot the reason why you're doing it? You forgot your love for him. It's easy. I've been there. You know, years ago, I was a Christian artist in CCM. He doesn't sing anymore. This is giving away my age now. Uh, it was Dallas Home. How many remember Dallas Home, okay? He sang the song Rise Again. One of his last albums he wrote, he had this song. I forget the title of the song, but here's the line. He said, sometimes I do it because you love me. Sometimes I do it because I love you. So he's talking about him and you is talking about Jesus. Sometimes I do it because you love me. Sometimes I do it because I love you. But then he said this line. I think this is significant, and this is what we're talking about here. But he said, sometimes I do it just because it's what I do. You know, sometimes as Christians, we do it because we love Jesus. Sometimes as Christians, we do it because he loves us. But sometimes we do it just simply because we're what? Christians. And we've forgotten his what? His love. We've forgotten our love for him. Think about it. Look at your own life. And we wonder why we sense something missing. Could it be that what's missing is love for him? Did you understand what I'm saying? Could it be that what's missing is love 
for him. Now, now here's the wonderful thing I, I think is amazing when you talk about Jesus. Here's the wonderful thing. You know, so oftentimes when we talk about Christianity and we talk about what God wants from us, we often know what he tells us to not do or stop or what displeases him. You ever notice that? We, we know what he says, don't do, and don't do that, and if you do that, you're in trouble. We, we understand that, but here's the thing. What we fail to recognize is that God not only just points out the problem, he tells you what to do about it. He tells you how to get your life set back on course. He tells you what you need to do to make a course correction in your life. He tells you what needs to happen. So I want you to notice with me. Notice with me verse 5. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. What's he doing here? Two things I'm going to bring out. I can actually spend more points, but I don't have more points to give you. I don't have the time to give you more points as we examine this. I just want to break it down into two things. I'm going to just tell you what those two things are. Number one, you need to remember. You need to remember. Remember what, George? Well, for some of you here, you need to remember when you first gave your life to Jesus, when you first decided to follow him, when you first made that decision that, Jesus, you died for me, I have faith in you, you need to remember when that first excitement of that love for Jesus, you fell in love with him and you believed him for anything. And you went to him for anything. You prayed about what you consider now the craziest stuff back then, but you remember when you did that? You say, George, but I remember getting saved as a kid when I was wee, small. Can't remember that far back. Well, remember then when you were excited about God, when you were doing what he told you to do. But you need to remember. Do you understand what I'm saying? If your life's not where it should be right now spiritually, you have fallen. And so you've got to remember back when you were in tune with him when you were sensing his love in your life, when you were seeing God's hand in your life, you've got to remember when you love Jesus more than anything. You've got to remember. Remember from where you've fallen. What does that mean? You've got to remember and you've got to look right now and say, wow, it's not good. Because I can remember when I was excited, but look at me now. Look at me now. And it's not good because I'm not loving him like I used to. I'm not excited about him as I used to. I'm not excited about God. I'm not, ex I'm not expecting him. Remember now, used to, you expected him to answer you. Now, you're not expecting him to answer in prayer. Maybe you've been disappointed one too many times. But for some reason, you've forgotten your love. You need to remember. You've got to remember. First thing he tells you, you've got to remember. Here's the second thing he tells you. Look with me at this verse. Notice what he says. I'll read to you what he says, and then I'll tell you what it means. Repent and do the first works. What's he talking about, repent? Repentance is a change of mind. Repentance is acknowledging that you're doing wrong and changing your mind and going 
from that in doing something different because of repentance. So here's what I want you to see. Here's what I need you to do. You need to come to your senses and let his love flow through you again. You need to come to your senses. That's what it means to repent. Repentance is coming to your senses. How do you come to that place to say that, George? Well, in Luke chapter 15, verse 17, it talks about the prodigal. Remember the prodigal son? If you don't need to, go back and read that. The prodigal son basically took his dad's inheritance. Said, and basically by doing that in his culture, is like saying to dad, dad, I wish you were dead. Goes off to a far country, spends it on wild living to the point where he loses it all and he ends up having to work in it with pigs, a Jewish boy working with pigs and he ends up, the only food he gets is what the pigs are eating. So one day the scripture says this, he's laying there and he's thinking and he comes to his senses. Listen to what the scripture says. And when he came to himself, that's the phrase there, come to his senses. When he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger. That's what repentance is. It's realizing and coming to your senses and making a decision about it. Listen, you're looking at your life right now. I'm looking at my life right now, and I'm looking and I'm saying, there's something missing. It's not the same anymore. And what's missing is, is Jesus, I don't, love you like I used to. I've fallen. I used to be way up here, Jesus, loving you. And I'm down here right now. I've fallen. Yeah, I'm doing all the right stuff, but I don't love you like I used to. What do you got to do? You got to come to your senses. You got to repent. You got to come to your senses and realize, Jesus, I'm gone wrong. Quit loving you. And I want to love you again. And you go and you do what? The first works. What's the first works? The same stuff you've always been doing, but now you do it because of what? Because you love him. Because you expect him to answer. You expect him to be pleased with what you're doing in your life. You just can't wait to be with Jesus because you love him. You want that love again, do See, here's the thing. You and I, we can get in such ruts that we can continue to do the right thing, but we're not right because we've what? We've quit loving Jesus. But here's the thing Jesus says. Remember when you first loved me, when you did love me with all of your heart. And guess what? It's right there. All you got to do is change your mind. Change your life again and love me like you used to. And serve me like you used to. That's what he's saying here. And here's what he gives for the promise. Why do we need to do that? Why do we need to do that? Well, I want you to notice with me Verse 7, he who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, 
which is in the midst of the paradise of God. First thing I want you to see here is this. Jesus gives a promise to those who endure to the end. What do you mean? He gives a promise to Christians who hang in there. So let me just stop for a moment. Okay. We've just had this very personal letter to a church written almost 2,000 years ago. The letter is still personal today for you and I. It reveals something about ourselves. And here's what it's revealing. It's revealing that maybe, just maybe, in my life and in your life, things aren't right. And what's not right is your relationship with Jesus. And so he's told you what you need to do. He's told you to get, come to your senses to repent and go back and do the first works. That's go back and do what you've done out of love for Jesus again. He's telling you that. Now, here's the promise he's saying to you. Look, he's saying to you that if you endure, what does that mean? Because notice something. Can I tell you that what I'm saying to you sounds easy? I just need to change my mind. just need to go do it. Blah, blah, blah. Well, you know what? Life's a little bit harder than that. Have you ever tried to overcome something that you were doing wrong? Have you noticed it just doesn't change that quickly? Have you noticed that? You got to what? You got to work on it. And here's what he says to you who are enduring, who are persevering, who are striving to move forward in your relationship with me. I'm giving you a promise. I'm giving you something to hold on to as to why you need to do this, why you need to move forward. I'm giving you a promise. Some, some of us need to grasp a hold of a promise again. Grasp a hold of a hope. Because you're saying, George, I've fallen a long way and there's a lot to overcome. You've got to grasp a hope. He gives a promise to those who endure to the end. Here's what the promise is, folks. Look what the promise is. You say, what in the world is he talking about here? He says, I will give you to eat from the tree of life which is in the midst of the paradise of garden. Okay, stop for a moment. What in the world is he talking about? Well, you've got to go all the way back to Genesis. All the way back to Genesis chapter 3. I don't want to, you don't need to turn there. I'll just tell you the story. Remember they ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil and that set in motion sin that all of us are affected by now. And God basically sent them from the garden, never allowed them to go back into the garden. And he put an angel to guard a certain tree, to guard a tree, the tree that's mentioned here, the tree of life. Why? Because if they took from that tree, they would forever be in their state. What is the tree of life? The tree of life is, are you ready for this? Eternal life. And here's what he's promising us. He promises that those who follow Jesus will have eternal life. Eternal life. That needs to be your motivation. That needs to be your motivation to move forward to remember what? Your first love. He's promising you and I eternal life. Eternal life with who? You go to Revelation chapter 20, 21. It says that we will be in the new Jerusalem with who? Jesus and God. Don't you think you need to have that relationship with him again? You know what I'm saying? See, we've forgotten our first love. And he's giving us a promise. 
is giving us a promise. So listen, folks, here's the wonderful thing. You might be here and you're saying, yeah, George, I, you know what, you're right. I may be doing all the right things, but the motivation of why I'm doing it is wrong. Here's the wonderful thing. Jesus sent a letter to you to remind you. And you can do something about it right now. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.